Hi guys and welcome back to your Pretty For A podcast. I'm Iman. I'm Saba. And I'm Salma. And today um, I thought obviously as it's the beginning of November it would be good to speak about Islamophobia. Mm-hmm. So for those who don't know and I didn't know for a really long time, November is Islamophobia Awareness Month. Did you know? Mm-hmm. You know. I did not know. <laughs> That's okay. I didn't know either. <laughs> um, so I thought it'd be really good to just have a little brief conversation about what it is. You know, those who are listening in to maybe bring it up to your employer, see if you can speak about it in the workplace, and just begin those conversations around Islamophobia Awareness Month um, and Islamophobia in general. There's a lot of statistics that shocked me. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually are quite terrifying, particularly as all of us here who identify as Muslim. Um, but we don't wear hijab. Mm-hmm. So for us, we can pass as those who aren't Muslim. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's really important for not just us to make noise about it, but to educate as many people as we can um, to make noise on our behalf, particularly those who aren't Muslim. So just kind of give you a brief um background to islamophobia awareness month and just a few facts and then i've got a couple of questions just around like the media and our personal experiences um and stuff like that but in terms of the month it was a campaign founded in 2012 can you believe so it's gone back a really really long time and considering i've only heard about it in the past like couple years now Mm. i did not know that it stemmed that far back. So they're an incredible group that have been working on the ground for a really, really long time. Um, and I mean, the fact that it's taken this long to get to where we are now is is amazing and really great and, and is a testament to all of their hard work. Um, but I mean, they go above and beyond to raise the awareness of not just Muslims in society that are doing good things, but also to try to combat um, all of the different, um, you know, hate speeches that go around against Muslims um, and Islamophobia that's been exacerbated over the last few years. Mm. So every year they do a theme. So this year's theme is hashtag tackling denial. Mm. Um, And they've put here on their website that by denying Islamophobia's existence, we dismiss the lived experiences of many and the opportunity to bridge gaps in our society. And I think that it's a really, really nice theme that they've got actually around tackling denial. Um, And I think that now more than ever, that that's a a really important um, theme to discuss because I think that a lot of the time we do deny it. Mm-hmm. And there are people that deny it in our society and deny that it happens and deny that it occurs. But actually, um, the statistics show otherwise. And as a Muslim and as a as a lived experience, I can tell you that it absolutely has increased. Mm-hmm. And I feel it in the workplace and I feel it all around me and I feel it in the media. Um, and I'm constantly feeling as though that I have to defend all the time. And like gladly defend but the fact that I'm defending even more is a is a worrying telltale sign for me um I don't know if you guys feel the same yeah I mean I think a lot of the times um it's not taken as seriously yeah as you probably would want it to be um and it's it's not spoken about as much Mm -hmm. it's not exposed as much Mm -hmm. Um, and when it is, it's usually kind of not 
made to be as big of a deal. Yeah. What you said. I agree. Um, and my thing with Islamophobia and the theme, which is thankfully, you know, it's denial when saying, you know, oh, it's not Islamophobic. It's just the freedom of speech. Like yeah. that kind of ideology is the biggest harm to Muslims mm-hmm. to feel safe in the world. Like, for example, France has all these laws coming out where they're saying, but this is a freedom of speech and we just want you to be integrated in society. Okay, but yeah. you're literally, you know, punishing people who have decided to, you know, believe in their religion, practice their religion, practice their religion appropriately, safely. Like yeah. everything is just a, an individualistic thing that they're doing. But then they go, okay, but you can't do that because, yeah, it's not about religion. It's about freedom of speech, which which is denial because you can't tell someone, yeah, that's not it. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my take on that. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think it's just with that, it's crazy how they make it about themselves mm-hmm, when mm-hmm. it's like such a it's so it's such a separate thing. Yeah. It's such a personal. It has nothing thing. to do with you. It's such a personal thing, such a personal experience to be religious yeah. and to have a relationship with God and to have a you know. To be a part of a religion, to be a part of a community. That's a very, very personal experience. And for someone who's outside of that, from who doesn't have enough knowledge in that, to make it about themselves and see it as an attack on themselves, it's just wild. Mm-hmm. Um, so in terms of the definition for those listening who don't know what the definition is but islamophobia islamophobia as defined by the appg on islamophobia is rooted is sorry rooted, what's the a- apg i don't actually know what that stands for i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> um i've just found it on their website is rooted in racism and is a type of racism that targets expressions of muslimness or perceived muslimness so it's roughly split into two parts so there's the smaller visible part that's mm-hmm. around um, physical attacks um, and, and that's the visible part You know, people getting abused on the street um, Mosques being vandalised And whatever that might look like um, But then there's also the invisible part That's around discrimination Stereotyping, marginalisation, exclusion Microaggression and that, Microaggression And that's called structural Islamophobia um, And the reason as to why it's called that is because it can take many forms. So they've got a few examples here. So the CV that goes straight in the bin because of a Muslim sounding name, the woman who loses her job because she wears the hijab, like mm-hmm. in France, the child who gets suspended um, for speaking up against certain human rights um, for, for different homogenous groups, and the newspapers headlining uh, demonizing Muslims for being terrorists. So child sex groomers, being really anti-British, um, and all of those different rhetorics and nuances around that, um, which I, I I found really interesting because I think that often we just group Islamophobia into one and there's a part that you see and then there's a part that you don't see. Because yeah. obviously when you see somebody being physically attacked and you can see that they're being physically attacked because they are Muslim um, and, and the attacker is saying, I'm attacking because you are Muslim, you can kind of it, it's over and you, it's in your face and you can see that that that's blatant 
you know, discrimination and you can see where that's going on. But when you've got the indirect discrimination, the invisible discrimination that people don't see, i.e. someone not getting a job because their CV is thrown in the bin, it's much, much harder to recognize Islamophobia. Mm. And actually, I think that by us speaking about it and, and hopefully creating more awareness around it, people will start to question these things mm-hmm. as to why they're happening and how they're happening. Mm. Um, I think, honestly, I would rather someone be overt yeah. and actually like... Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Say it straight to my yeah. face. Because... Uh, I don't want to be attacked. I don't no, want to be... Yeah, no, absolutely I, not. But like, in terms of like... And I think it's... Maybe it's a British thing, but we tread mm. around these things mm. and it's more then, nuanced I least, feel but then at least if you're treading you're treading because you know that it's wrong mm. you know it's wrong but it's also more conniving do you mean like patronizing almost yeah, uh, no but it's it's worse because it's like they try and like put it in your head and it, it it's like makes you feel worse internally and it's usually done over a period of time rather than just like a straight comment straight at you if you were a hijab calling you a towel head or something like that mm. right i would personally i would feel more offended with that absolutely yeah you would but over time the other thing would make you feel worse what's the other thing i sorry? don't think i would agree with that really but just, that's just personally i wouldn't be able to deal with the the, the little micro I would prefer oh, okay. smaller microaggressions as opposed to someone calling me a towel head. I get that. But I think when it starts adding up and you see it more and more and more, you start it starts to affect you in the way that you interact in society more. Like it's, it becomes ingrained in It becomes you. ingrained and it becomes a part of you. Whereas that, yeah. you can almost be like, this is a stupid person. Yeah. And it's fine. But when it's microaggressions and when it's... But it's not fine. Of course it's not fine. And it's, it's for a lot of people, it's traumatizing. It's an, yeah. it's an attack. Yeah. But at the same time, you can call it out as it is right there and then. But when it's a lot more nuanced, it's a lot more hurtful and impactful, I feel, from personal for experience. Fair enough. But then a physical attack as well, yeah. is, that's a different... Yeah, yeah, not talk. Yeah, yeah, not talking physical attack. More. With the yeah, with the physical attack, um, as you were saying, with the hijab, which I I don't wear, neither of us wear. Um, but my sister does, and she's only put on quite recently, probably like two two years ago or three years ago. Um, and it makes me really sad that the, that she started doing this, and I re- genuinely feel emotional about this. But she has started because now she's visibly Muslim in a society which does, you know, have tendencies to view Muslims in a certain light. When she goes on platforms on the tube in London, she doesn't stand near the yellow line, she stands Mm. near the wall, just in case someone decides that day they're going to, they're going to let out all their anger that they have towards Muslims, which they've, you know, built up and just push her on the platform and she'll die that day. And she genuinely has realized that she started doing this slowly and slowly. But it's things like the microaggressions that add to that, that kind of narrative of Muslims are bad people, Muslims are extremists. And there's so many of us in the world and we're all just normal people just living our lives. And we just have a religion that Mm. is, you know, not the same as you, for example. But 
the values, the morals, you know, Abrahamic religions that all, you know, they all stem from one thing. It's not as if we're so alien. It's just wanting people to actually come into that circle and listen and ask the right questions and want to understand more rather than mm-hmm. just denying its existence. Well, I mean, to put that into perspective, Muslims make up less than 6% of the UK's population, but nearly half of all religious hate crime is directed at Muslims. Oh. So Muslims are more likely to be the victim of religious hate crime than any other religious group. Um, and I mean, needless to say as well, the COVID lockdowns exacerbated this and hate crimes increased by one third compared to the same period in 2019 and 2022. Um, Muslims are now four times more likely to experience hate crimes than those who identify as Christians. Um, I think for me, there's a lot there that really, really kind of hits home for me. Munna as well, my younger sister, she wears a headscarf and she's in certain spaces and industries where she's often the only one that wears a hijab. Mm. There are always microaggressions against her. She's always going to think as though she's left out. There's, there's always kind of assumptions that are made about her, particularly in her industry and in her field. And there's a lot of strength that she has to wear every single day because she is overtly Muslim. Us, we we here have the privilege of being able to look, we don't look like a, a specific religion. I mean, people can probably... From what society you, says. Pe- pe- well. pe- people can kind of attribute us, attribute us maybe to a certain ethnicity and mm. then kind of decipher a religion from that. Fine. But that isn't, the first thing maybe that that comes to mind as opposed to somebody who wears hijab, yeah. obviously. And even our names, they're not, it's not something that completely, uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't necessarily know you're definitely Muslim from your name. Yeah. Do you think? Yeah, Iman. Iman's a very common, like, name. Yeah. I would say the opposite. Really? I would, my experience has been that anytime anyone, I tell anyone my name, they know that I'm Muslim. I've never had that they I They've might not be Muslim it. from my name, no. Interesting. I think there's also a thing here of looking Muslim and what also society, in the way you said ethnicity equals a religion, mm-hmm. there's something here in society that we're being told Muslims are brown. Look, yeah, they look a certain way. Yeah. When realistically, originally Christians, um, the Jewish religion, Muslims, they all came from the same area in the Middle East. It wasn't as yeah. if they were all like spread out. It started, they all started pretty much in a similar region there, yeah. which means you're going to have that complexion. But it's interesting that society has been feeding this narrative of Muslims look like this. And if you don't look like this, then you're not Muslim. Yeah. And the amount of times I'm sure if there's like, you know, a white person, they say they're Muslim. They're like, what? Really? How? And when did not, you convert? Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it's just like, no, it's a religion. It's not an ethnicity. And there's that kind of um, issue as well when it when it feeds into that narrative. For example, I can't remember when, but I remember Sikhs um, used to be given like insults because people thought they were Muslim because mm. they looked it. They used to be attacked. Yeah. And then it was no, like, it, used to, it still happens. Yeah, it still happens because they're being told by society and the media that their look looks like this religion and then that's bad. I do have to caveat though that though with saying that 
Sikhs are discriminated against. A lot of Sikhs are discriminated because they're Sikhs. Yeah, one hundred percent. It's not, it's not 100%. always yeah, yeah. just because, because of that assumption. Yeah. No, yeah. yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But yeah, it does. It does feed into it. Definitely. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I just think that it's really, really difficult for me to even speak about without even getting emotional because I, I can't. Again, and I've said this before, I just can't believe that in this day and age we're having this conversation Mm. whereby there needs to be an Islamophobia Awareness Month. I mean, there was a a white man who went to a refugee and asylum camp and specifically went to want to kill Muslim children. Yeah. This is really, really disturbing. Really, really disturbing. And we've got this prevalence of really far-right groups that genuinely believe that Muslims are really anti-British, for example. And for those who are listening and who are not based in the UK, sorry if I... I, All of the examples that I've um, said here today are ones that are based for the UK. Um, But they think that we're really anti-British and particularly those that are seeking asylum here are just terrorists and it's not a joke like this 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 i, I we've been dealing with this since 911 mm. been mm. been been having to defend our religion and i mean before that but well, as in like it was absolutely completely blown um and since then it's just i feel like gotten worse and worse and worse i've been told like you need to apologize for that who you? am i who am I? To have think? you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh my God. But this is back in the day. But it's like, who am I to apologize for that? Like, and I actually used to think, yeah, like we need to really be out there and like apologizing for this. Like it, it like fully was in my head. Like, yeah, maybe we do because we are absolutely not. No, of course no not. Absolutely not. Yeah. Being, and and, and I was a child. Been. Like, I, you know, yeah. like... That's really sad. Like your religion, your you you need to apologize. You need to learn to make people um, understand that that's like you're against that. Yeah, mm. and even even to add on to that, the kind of constant constant narrative that's through the media and the news of you know Muslim equals bad equals extremist equals this, and it's like no, okay, there's. There's a small, very, very small minority who have this ideology that have nothing to do with us and what we actually think. And there's so many of us that don't think that way. And they've been radicalized and, you know, put into these communities um, to feed these very inhumane thoughts that don't align with us. And then carrying that kind of constant guilt behind of okay, well, the media sees me this way and will I potentially not be provided opportunities because mm. being a Muslim is associated with this? Like, I can't tell the amount of times I fill out a form and it says religion and I sit there and go, am I going to write it? Am I going to write Muslim? Mm. Am I going to write, I prefer not to say. Genuinely hesitation because I don't want to be like, have these microaggressions given to me without me realizing where I don't get that job or I don't get this application through yes. because I've, I've said that I'm Muslim. And why is it that because I have this religion I now have to hide it because the world is so not you want to become palatable yeah for those groups yeah and when you put that you you're made to feel an outsider yeah like an outsider and that risk of potentially causing causing a problem 
by opening up and saying, by the way, I'm Muslim. Like the amount of things that could happen in that situation. We we don't know. You don't know what, how someone's going to react to that or how they're going to feel about that because it could be, you know, the media's told them one thing or they've believed something. Stuff like that. And do you know how many times I, so let's say for example, and this is me being really honest by admitting this, but there's been times whereby you hear something on the news and something has happened. One of them, I remember being the London Bridge attacks. And I remember I heard about it and it was like, there was there was a terror attack on London Bridge and I was absolutely terrified. And the first thing I thought of, I was like, please, please don't be Muslim. Please don't be Muslim. Yeah, yeah, yeah mm. I agree. Every single time. Every single time. Every like, single please time. Please don't be Muslim. Because yeah. you have to go through it again. Because I have to go through it again. And we and, all do. And it's, and it was, and then, and then he was Muslim and I was like, Oh my he, god! I mean, I Muslim. He that is not his. No, no, yeah, I, yeah. no. But as he identified yeah. with being yeah. Muslim, and he did it in the name of that. He did it in the name of that, and, and then, they coined the act towards. And they coined the act towards that, yeah. and then I have to go to work the next day. Yeah. yeah, and then it's all over the news, and they know that I'm Muslim, and they'll stop speaking about it in front of me because they don't know. What I'm, or not, you, not, or you feel views. like you need to talk about it. I even need, more. I feel like I need to be like, oh my god, what? Da, da, da. And it's like, it's like, of course you feel that. Of way. Of course I feel that way. I'm, I'm, I'm mortified, and I'm, I'm terrified. He could. The, the funny thing is, is these people could kill me. They can kill anyone. They, they could don't kill care. anyone. They don't, they don't see care. us as Muslims. No, they that's, see, but they're not even doing it to be like they're just killing anyone. It's just whoever's in their path. It's, yeah. it's not like as if they have an agenda of yeah, sorts. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, they're yeah, doing yeah. this and then saying, yeah, by yeah. the way, this. But, but you know, th- there are other, um, you know, psychopath killers and their religion isn't... Yeah, yeah, I... Yeah. ...brought into it I either. And, and their religion isn't isn't the reason as to why... Yeah. Or, or, or certainly isn't portrayed in the media the reason as to why they do certain things is mental health. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. He was going through a hard time. He was going through a hard time. Okay. What he if, was ostracized this, from society. Exactly. What if this man who also happened to be Muslim also had the same situation where he but was... But it is usually that. Yeah, it is usually that. It is always that. But it's just they never put that in the narrative and no. they always make it about the religion. Yeah, and like you said, it and it really does. As Abba was saying, it really kind of chips away at you every single time. Like a little piece of you just dies every single time. Yeah, I think that's that's my point. Is that all these little things, the nuances that build up over time, are more detrimental to our mental health and to the way that we interact with society than one horrible comment that is exposed but then where not you everyone can, has but a horrible not ev- comment straight exactly. away I know I know and, I, and I'm say, speaking about this from personal experience mm-hmm. and that's why I can like differentiate those experiences mm-hmm. and I can feel that that one time that I had something said to me I can say yeah. that person was stupid and mm-hmm. that I can separate that as opposed to having comments here and there of people I respect or like mm. having actions being made or feeling a certain type of way made to feel embarrassed and made to feel out like made to feel like I was other or you know those feelings are so much worse to me mm. and they really like you put it perfect they chip away at you yeah. and then you you become you become cold and you become desensitized to a lot of 
things. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's just how you deal with it. I I still would rather smaller microaggressions, if I'm being honest, and someone saying something outright to me. I just... I just wouldn't be able to handle it mm-hmm. personally. I just I wouldn't be able to. Let's say, for example, it was in the workplace. I don't know how I'd go back into the workplace. I, I do mean, get that. It, it, I think th- it's it's someone... contextual, and it depends where you are. It depends. I mean, for me, it happened when I was in the US, and yeah. it was like one comment, yeah. and I actually laughed about it. Like it was it, it was literally funny. Yeah, to but me. then okay, but then you were on holiday there, so I, I work with somebody, or I've worked with somebody who said blatant misogynistic things to me, Mm. blatantly misogynistic. And that was really direct. And it was clear cut that I can't work with them anymore. Mm. That's it. Cut them out. Luckily, they were an external partner. We were able to cut it out. I couldn't envision me working in a situation whereby he was my boss and he said that and I can go to work the next day. If he gave me a small microaggression, however... I would feel more comfortable with nipping that in the bud for that small microaggression first, as opposed to the big over. But it's not it's me. not that one singular microaggression. No, I get that. About. I get that. Usually it's built up over time. Yeah. And uh, in fact, it, that's a perfect example of what I mean, is that you can, that is exposed. I know who this person is now. I can blatantly say this person is a raging racist. I do not want to work with this person. Yeah, but it's and not it's simple exposed. to just quit your job. No, I know, I know. Or, not quit, or to or, get them out of the job. It's or, not. But it is much simpler to do it in that case scenario. Not with rather Islamophobia, than, is it? Rather than uh, microaggressions that have been built over time where you can't really, back to the denial thing, where you can't really expose it as well. Well, Islamophobia... Um, even if you was to call and say this is a hate crime, can't go to prison for it. Mm. It it was blocked mm. in Parliament. Yeah. So even if someone does say something that's blatantly Islamophobic, and who's my boss, still no guarantee that he's going to lose his job. No, yeah. but you know at least, I mean? but in a way, they're exposed in a big way. They're exposed, but there isn't enough awareness of Islamophobia, which is why we need months like these. There isn't enough awareness for, yes, he'll be exposed, but he'll still be in the job and people won't care, mm. is my point. Mm. That's why we need to have these conversations. We need to start calling this stuff out. We need to have people who do call this out, who are not Muslims, who who, who won't feel comfortable even if it doesn't affect them. Mm. I work with somebody, a colleague. She is fantastic at this stuff. She will never, ever, and she is a white middle class woman, right? But she is like, she's, she's such a big advocate of women's rights and um, equal rights in terms of religion, disability, everything, right? Mm. And she will speak up about it. It's people like that that we need to have in the workforce that are holding the torch for this. Yeah, exactly. Do you know what I mean? Exactly. And um, not treading around and not treading a comment around it. that they hear that is clearly made the other person feel uncomfortable and basically not exposing that. Like... Yeah. That kind of cowardness. Yeah. Like that needs to be squashed. Yeah, but we we do still live in a society whereby I personally think that those little microaggressions 
are still more palatable for people to have a working environment and work on in terms of diversity and inclusion initiatives as opposed to an outright, this is what I'm saying. And misogyny is a big one, for example, in finance, Mm -hmm. right? People make crazy, crazy, crazy comments and they are still making millions and millions of pounds in bonuses. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and absolutely. it's and and regardless of whether people feel uncomfortable with it or not, it is what it is. But at least with sexism, you can actually be reprimanded for it. Being Islamophobic, you're not. Yeah, 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 yeah. and that's be, and that's the line. Yeah, there definitely needs to be things in place to yeah. make sure that people are called out that this isn't right. Yeah, and that there needs to be a kind of safety in that sense for Muslims absolutely. as well. Because imagine you get you know a hate crime and you have no claim to that because yeah. they can just be like well that that was their freedom of speech there and it's yeah. like no actually not i'm actually in 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 danger because yeah. this person has this thought process because mm-hmm. of you know their perspective on my religion yeah and i think also another thing to this as well is i'm going to obviously put more light on it but media really does push it because we do not see enough mm-hmm. muslims on our screens yeah. in the like in the right places it's always Predominantly, only recently, really recently, have we started seeing like shades of Muslims in the media. Whereas before it was always, you'd only hear about them through the news. And the news is always a negative, you know, something has gone wrong. And like you said, Iman, we're like praying that this violent attack wasn't done by a Muslim because that's the only narrative people were hearing. Mm-hmm. And now we have shows like Rami or Mo on Netflix where we get, we're finally seeing Muslims on the screen because we, okay, we don't make up a majority, but we need people to see that we exist and that we are the same and that we... And we're not scary. We're not scary. We're just here having jobs, having families, living our lives. But also, interesting about Rami and Mo, and I really enjoyed Mo. I found it really, really good. I thought it was really, really good. Um, We we see Muslim Arabs. Mm. There's no... Again, it's kind of going into this narrative that Muslims are Arabs and Muslims are... Actually, Rami, I think, showed quite... Yeah, showed different backgrounds, and yeah. I think so did Mo. Maybe not a lot. It is predominantly Arab. I yeah, do get that. I do get that. And, and 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 black people as well. I mean, Euphoria. Are you the yeah. Euphoria? Yeah. There's uh, Ali, the yeah. the black guy that helps Zendaya's character. Yeah, but it is. You're completely right in that. It's not enough. It's it not enough. When more. when you hear Arab, you hear Muslim. Yeah, you yeah. know that. When Arabs are actually can be Christian and can be Jewish. It's yeah. not always and it's, and it's synonymous. Not, and it, Muslims are all over the world. Oh, yeah, like it's a, it's the fastest growing religion. Yeah, yeah. So it's like it it isn't just this one group, but that's on Arabs as well. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely. Um, I think yeah, it's it's a perspective which is you know of Muslim equals Arab or Arab equals Muslim, which isn't always the case. And you're right, there does need to be more yeah. awareness that it can be anyone. Yeah, and I even think that in the media, when it does come to to be honest, I, I I would say the same of the Jewish faith as well, is that when you ever find some kind of representation of Islam or Judaism to a certain degree, it's either like, they're either like really, they're, they're leaving the religion. They're too extreme. They're too extreme. Um, no, no as in there's two extremes. Oh, oh, sorry. Yeah, there's two extremes as in like they're, 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 they're really extreme and, and they're, you know, really, really religious and they're so unrelatable or they're leaving the religion. And it's interesting that I find this with both Judaism and Islam, I find in the media, actually, both of them. 
and um, Islam maybe a little bit more because you've got what what that I've seen anyway in the media uh, and mainstream media and um, popular sites like Netflix and so on. Um, and again, that's exacerbated by the terrorist um, uh, word that's thrown around yeah. when it comes to Muslims in the media and extremist Muslims yeah. in the media as well. Um, like Homeland and yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. stuff like that. It's just... Yeah. It's, or even the word terrorist itself, because terrorist... Is, has now in the media become synonymous with Muslim when realistically yeah. Yeah. anyone can be a terrorist. Yeah, like, literally. It's you, anyone who incites violence. Like, is a terrorist, yeah. like who incites violence, etc. Like, it's not, and that's the problem. It's when it's kind of, like you're saying, denied and shunned in the corner and just ignored. Yeah. Exactly. Well, we'll leave that there. But um, as I said, it's Islamophobia Awareness Month. They have the website, which is IAM. Um, islamofibrillonismonth.com um, and they've got some really good initiatives on there ways that you can help um, and anyone listening that perhaps like wants to take it to their managers in a workplace um, or to like your friendship groups and stuff like that I know they've got loads of resources and videos and stuff um, but yeah thank you for listening and please reach out and have a lovely week bye guys bye, bye.